0: On today's show, we've got an LFO member who had a bunch of hits, but Chinese food makes him sick. But he thinks it's pretty fly to be on the Mike Rand show, so he's here today. Please welcome Brad Fischetti. Hey,
1: what's up, guys? I'm so happy to be here, and I still like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Mike Grand Show, and today's special guest is from the music group LFO. Please welcome Brad Fischetti. Hey, Brad, how are you? Hey, what's
1: up, Mike? How's it going, buddy?
0: Good. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for, uh, for asking me to join you today. We're going to have so much fun, guys, going down memory lane, LFO, one of my favorite bands of all time. And the first thing I'm going to ask you, Brad, is, you know, let's start from the beginning. Can you tell everybody how LFO was formed?
1: LFO started in Boston in the early 90s, started with Rich Cronin. He was a solo rapper, uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid. They gave him the name, The Light Funky One, or LFO. He connected with another Boston-based rapper a couple years later named, named Brian Gillis, and together they were The Light Funky Ones, or LFO. In the mid-90s, they had heard about what Lou Perlman was doing down in Orlando, and I happened to be living in Orlando, uh, working with Lou. And they drove from Boston to Orlando to meet Lou. And when they rang the doorbell, I answered the door. And it turned out we were doing the same kind of music and uh, spent some time talking together. And Lou said, listen, why don't you guys just come together as one group? And so um, LFO, or at the time, the Life Funky Ones, was born. Eventually, we realized Life Funky Ones was not such a cool or funky name. So we just sort of just went straight by LFO. And we uh, had a great opportunity to tour overseas in you know, 1996, 1997. Uh, we had the opportunity to tour the United States in 1998 and had modest success. Um, towards the end of 98 and to the beginning of 99, um, we, uh, we had sort of a, a difficult split. Uh, Rich and I um, split from, from Brian. And um, shortly after that, is when we met Devin, and Devin joined the group, and shortly after that is when we got signed to Clive Davis at Arista Records. You know, the whole story is a little, obviously, a lot more deep than I can explain in 30 seconds, but um, but that's, that's a nutshell of how the iteration of LFO, you know, today uh, came together.
0: Okay, awesome, and then, obviously, you worked with Clive Davis, who was a uh you know, legend, he worked with Whitney Houston, so many great people. Um, what was it like the first time that you met Clive Davis? And I also wanna know, what was it like the first time you heard your song on the radio? And where do you remember where you were?
1: Um, as far as hearing the song on the radio, uh, honestly, I, I don't remember. I probably started, you know, in Germany at some point when, when we were doing some, some work over there and had some modest success there. Um, but working with Clive Davis, what a, what a great opportunity, a great blessing that was, you know, like you mentioned, uh, perhaps the top music executive that ever lived, you know, and having a chance to sit with him and meet with him and having him mentor us was, was a great opportunity, and um, we just really enjoyed the opportunity, and, you know, it was certainly a little nerve-wracking, too. We were a little nervous being in the presence of such an important um, music mogul, but, he always treated us with kindness and, and treated us uh, with respect. And so um, I always think back with fond memories of our days working with Clive.
0: Yep, and it's so funny because your first uh, big hit here, Summer Girls, um, it got started by accident, correct? Was that not supposed to be the single that they originally wanted, the record label wanted to do?
1: Yeah, that's true. You know. When uh, when we met with Clive, not the first time, but maybe the second or third time, we had Summer Girls already. And I was told Rich that we need to play it for Clive. And he's like, Rich was nervous. No, no, we shouldn't play it for him. And so we were in this big meeting and finally I said, hey Clive, we got a song we want you to hear, you know? And so we played it for him and he was, he was like, oh, that's a good song, we'll put it on the album. And then Rich was so excited. He was like, I'm gonna jump out this window right now. I'm so excited. And uh, what happened was, uh, we were on a smaller label before that, and, um, and the lady who, who ran that label named Kelly, you know, unfortunately she passed away. Um, God rest her soul, because she really worked so hard for LFO. She had sent uh, a couple of copies out to some radio programmers. And um, a radio pro- programmer in DC one, one uh, summer day in 1999 was looking for a song to play and came across that Listen listened to it, put it on the air and it started getting good feedback. Meanwhile, a a radio personality from Z100 in New York City was driving through DC, heard it, tracked it down and Z100, which is about the biggest radio station in the world, um, devoted their entire morning show one Friday to Summer Girls. And then it just took off from there. It wasn't necessarily slated to be our first single, we're thankful that it was because if it wasn't our first single probably would have been sort of like a more prototypical boy band song which as good as a song might have been just really wasn't us i don't know if it would have been uh if it would have translated well with us
0: yeah and summer girls was so different from the other songs that were out there at that time it had that little element of rap in there it had the pop in there. It was really a great song. And Summer Girls is actually one of the few songs that I can remember where I was the first time that I heard it. Um, I was just at work and I was actually listening to WBLI 106.1 in Long Island. Long Island, yeah. Long Island Station. Um, Even though I'm not in Long Island, I was listening to the Long Island Station because they played good music. And I heard Summer Girls at work and I was like, wow, this is a really cool song. So that, you know, I, I just remembered that. And it's very rare for me to remember where I was the first time I heard a song. Um, and back then too, I mean, the music industry was so different. Like you really, that's the way you heard things. You heard it through the radio. MTV was big, TRL, there was no internet back then. Um, so Billboard Magazine, I remember going to the Virgin Mega store in New York City and getting yeah. Billboard Magazine, which cost $6, which was a lot of money at that time, people and looking through the charts and stuff like that so it, it, it was a lot of fun and summer girls actually was one of the songs that when i would go on auditions that was my main go-to song with summer girls because i love that song so much um so i want to ask you what it was like with summer girls the promotion for summer girls the fans at trl the places that you toured what was it like when that song came out
1: i guess it was uh, some semblance of pandemonium right um, became a huge hit number one selling song in the country for six weeks straight and uh, people were interested in seeing us so when we got to go places play shows or do autograph signings there's a lot of a lot of happy anxious people there waiting for us
0: yep it, it, it was so much fun um you know that time TRL was so exciting I wish you know we had those days back where you had all those crowds out there In Times Square, excited to see your favorite, you know, where your favorite music video was on the countdown. And LFO was definitely a fixture on TRL. How are you, how were you guys involved in the writing process of that first album? Did you have much involvement in that first album, or is it because it was, you know, with the record company, it was a little different?
1: The benefit of Summer Girls being a hit was that it gave us the opportunity to be more involved with the writing process. And so uh, we, had the, um, we had the blessing of Clive Davis to continue writing, which was a little odd for a new artist, especially in the sort of boy band genre. And so I'm thankful that uh, we had that opportunity because some of the greatest songs off both records were songs that we had a hand in writing. And so the follow-up single, Summer Girls was Girl on TV, which is another song that came from us. We were working with some great producers and the guys who did "Summer Girls" and "Growing" TV with these guys Brad and Dow. And um, so, yeah, we did have the opportunity to do that. Uh, we had some other songs on the record that were written by you know big, big writers and produced by big producers. But I think the songs that meant the most to us were the ones that we had a hand in creating.
0: Yep, and my favorite besides "Summer Girls," obviously, on that album, which I think every fan kind of wished. We had a music video too, and was really released uh, properly. It was West Side Story? Um, that, that's just such a fun song, and I, I bet the crowd just goes wild for that one.
1: Yeah, well, I think one of the uh, worst things that happened to LFO, you know, in a musical sense, was was the label deciding to go with "Kiss You Goodnight" as our third single. We were against the idea. We thought West Side Story should be the third single that was, that was more in line with our other singles, but they wanted to sort of follow like the prototypical boy band route by releasing the ballad third. And uh, it was a mistake. It didn't didn't do as well as the other songs. And it pretty much became the end of the album cycle at that point. So you're right though, West Side Story is, uh, is a fan favorite. And was always one of our favorite songs to perform. And is, is definitely one of my favorites to, uh, to perform when I'm working on keeping the, uh, the legacy alive.
0: And then you finally got to write a lot of your own material on the second album, Life is Good, which is a really great album. Can you tell us a little bit about that album?
1: Yeah, Life is Good. We worked with some new producers on that, Brad and Dow again. But this, this time we worked with a guy, some guys named Shep and Kenny. Uh, who did every other time and life is good, uh, which were really, really awesome songs. Um, yeah, we had a hand in pretty much every song in that record, which was which is important to us. That record was released right in the midst of sort of a Napster controversy, where Napster was was um, eating into the income of record labels and artists prior prior to the labels figure out how to do digital. Um, So it was a tough time. It was 2001, shortly after the release was was the 9-11 tragedy. So it was a very odd time um, to be releasing a record and promoting a record, but every other time was the first single off that, pretty big hit. Actually, as far as radio play goes, it would be our biggest hit. Um, But after that, you know, the album sort of fizzled from there. Um, And and that was a big reason why, but, you know had modest success and and we had some some great tours during that album cycle and certainly had a lot of fun
0: interacting with the fans. And you mentioned Napster, is that the reason, what, what was the reason why they never actually did a music video for Life is Good?
1: Probably because the album wasn't selling as well as anticipated and so it didn't make sense to invest another half a million dollars into a, a video
0: okay because th- th- that was really a great album just some songs i want to mention um from the album that were just some of my favorites 28 days like I-, I thought that was a good song elena dandelion which actually nicole ritchie covered that song as well um where you are what if if i had a dollar that's the way it is the sun Still Shines, Susie's Pillow, the bonus track. I mean, just so many great songs on that album. If you had to pick a couple more singles from that album, which songs would you have picked? I think Elena was the
1: hidden gem. Um, I hear from people to this day that they they discovered that song recently, it's like their favorite song. So I think Elena would have been a, a great choice for, for a single. Um, you know, Dandelion was a special song too. That probably could have seen some, some life maybe as the third or fourth single, but every other time was the right choice for single one. And Elena probably should have been the second
0: single. Okay. And of all your songs that you've recorded, if you had to pick a couple that are just your personal top faves, which one are they? Baby mine. Yeah, that's my favorite out of all the songs we've done. Yeah, that definitely was a great one from the first album as well. And yeah. um, so basically, you know, you guys came out with a couple albums and then there was a breakup the first time, right? So what, what happened that made you guys just kind of take a break from it?
1: Yeah, 2002, I think at that point we'd been touring for a long time. We were kind of all ready for something different Rich and Devin had aspirations to be solo artists. And um, the record label had basically said that the promotion for the album was done. And, um, and we had a couple of choices. I think we had a tour. I was going to do with Britney Spears and we had a possible tour of O-Town overseas. But at that point, we just were kind of tired and we decided to take a break. You know. If I would have known then what I know now, then I, said, I would have said, no, let's continue to ride this for as long as, as, long as we can, because you, know, you sort of think that you're gonna be there forever, but it, it sort of ends uh, as quickly as it began. So we took a break in 2002. I started a record label called 111 Records, which I still run today through the Warner Music Group. Rich worked on a bunch of solo stuff. Devin worked on a bunch of solo stuff. And, um, you know, Rich did some TV, some acting, Devin spent a lot of time studying and just becoming a a musical genius. And so we sort of went our separate ways.
0: Okay. And then um, unfortunately in 2005, Rich got hit with some bad news um, that he actually developed leukemia. So can you tell us what it was like when you heard that news?
1: Yeah, it was 2005. I was walking on a street somewhere and Rich's brother called me and and told me that Rich had been diagnosed with leukemia. And I remember just uh, dropping to my knees, um, crying right there on the street. And um, yeah, Rich, he fought really hard. He, He fought for five years. And even in the midst of his sickness, he still found ways to be creative, make music. He wrote a song about the struggle, he appeared on uh, some TV shows. Um, and in 2009, we actually reunited for a tour. And um, financially, it was not successful. But the, but there was a good, you know, the crowds were, were good. the People enjoyed it. But what, what was the most successful part about that tour was that uh, we got closer than we'd ever been as a group, the three of us. I think we realized how much we loved each other, how much we cared about each other, how much we respected each other, and um, I'll always be grateful that we had that that last chance to tour together um, with Rich. And um, about a year after that tour, I had heard through the grapevine that Rich wasn't feeling too well. He was having some problems with his legs, so I texted him and said, "Hey, man, I hear you're having some trouble walking." I figured there's no better way to get you out of bed than to schedule another tour. So let's go ahead and schedule another tour. And then he didn't respond. And then about two weeks later, it was his birthday. So I texted him again, happy birthday, no response. And then about a week after that, I got the news that he had passed away. He lost his battle with, uh, with the cancer.
0: And I, um, I actually had some communication with Rich when he was in the hospital in 2005. Um, I have here, I'm gonna share with you, I actually sent him an email through Rich Cronin Music when he was, he had his website. And basically I wrote him, cause I, I guess the way that I found out was actually not through television, it was actually in an article through Entertainment Weekly is how I found out what was going on with Rich. And I actually wrote, um, Dear Rich, I'm very sorry to hear the news and I hope you have a full and speedy recovery. I called your hospital to try, try to get an address to send you a card. And I guess the lady who answered the phone just took my name and number down and didn't really give, because I told her, I didn't want to bother you. If there was any way um, I could have an address to send you a card. I said not to bother you, that I was just a fan that I just, and she took my name and number. I said, not, you know, just basically not for her to bother him. And he actually, and then email goes on a little bit. And then he actually wrote me back which I I was thrilled that I got a response because I was not expecting a response because I went and found the website and wrote through there. Um, He wrote, Mike, thank you for the nice email. I wish you all the luck in the world and entertainment. Make sure you love it because it is filled with sharks. Please protect yourself legally and always be sure about any documents you sign. Surround yourself with good people and those who can really and truly trust. I can only ask that you pray for me and my family I ask that you pray that this will go into remission. I will have a test tomorrow and see, and I'm very scared. I wish you all the best and please pray. God bless Rich Cronin. I wrote back to him basically after that, thanking him for writing me, sent me another response saying, keep praying the bone marrow will be clear and I will go into remission. That's the main thing I'll know in a few days. So until then, please pray for me and my family. God bless you and yours, Rich. And then a final, one week later i i mean i didn't email him back but he actually emailed me and just said things are good please continue to pray keep in touch rich so i've kept those emails um all these years and it meant so much to me um i just felt the need it just broke my heart hearing what he was going through that i just felt the need to just reach out to him but i just want to know um what are your thoughts on what rich had said there
1: well the thing that stands out to me the most is that he said he was scared you know and that's hard to hear you know that when you're one of your best friends your brother your bandmate was uh living in fear like that it's sad it's a it's a tragic story the lfo story is a tragic story um it's, it's just, a, it's hard to believe, you know, and obviously I'm in the middle of it, so I don't, maybe it doesn't hit me the same, but then I look back and go, wow, is this real? Did this really happen, you know? And uh, is it, not many days that go by that I don't shed a tear over Rich or Devin or, or the both of them, you know?
0: Yeah, and we, and we definitely thank you for keeping the memory alive for the two of them and what all you guys have done. Um, and like, like you said, um, unfortunately then Devin passed away. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened there with Devin?
1: Yeah. So 2017, Devin and I brought LFO back on the road. In 2016, we were invited by 98 degrees to do a cameo at one of their shows. And there was an agent in the crowd and he saw the way the crowd reacted to us. And he called me up a few days later and asked me if I'd be interested in bringing LFO back on the road. It wasn't something Devin and I really considered, but you know, we discerned it, prayed about it, realized that our motivation was good. You know, our intentions were clear, our heart was pure. It was just, uh, you know, we really wanted to honor, honor Rich and, and, and bring the fans back to, uh, to a simpler time and have a chance to uh, continue, you know, having music as, as our career. So we did that tour in 2017, it was very successful. Um, we were making plans for the next leg of the tour when Devin got sick, which was really weird because Devin was the healthiest guy around, really fit, little stress, ate really good, worked out. And so for him to be sick was just, it didn't make sense. And it turned out that he had a tumor in the size of a football in his abdomen, primary adrenal cancer, a very rare cancer. And he fought that for a year. And um, in November of 2018, uh, he passed away. My bandmate, my best friend, my brother, and um, yeah, that me personally that that sent me into the darkness, you know. Um, and it took me a long time to see the light again. Um, it's still it still uh, brings me to my knees. Um, when I think about a lot of people feel lost and some people, um, obviously that loss is big in my world, but it doesn't compare to maybe the loss other people have felt. And it certainly doesn't compare to the loss his mother feels, his father feels, his fiance feels, the kids, you know? So I just do my best to, uh, to keep his legacy alive, to keep Rich's legacy alive, to nurture the LFO legacy. And the fans have been very supportive in my efforts to do that. I've been touring with O-Town and Ryan Cabrera and Chris for Lancerman Sink and Mark and Dean for Sugar Ray. And we've been having a really good time doing that. And, and the O-Town guys helped me to honor Rich and honor Devin, do a little LFO medley on the Pop 2000 tour and, and the Old town guys um, backed me up on that. And it's just been a, real, it's been a real blessing to have the chance to do that. The Old town guys, they knew Rich really well, Rich was really important to them. Rich's brother actually managed them for a while and they really loved Devin and really respected his voice. And so they feel the pain that I feel. And so if there's no better band for me to, to, to play those shows with than those guys because they have a personal connection. And so it's been it's been really nice having a chance to honor the boys with them. And, and recently I've had a chance to do some stuff with Jeff Tiffman from 98 Degrees, who again was really close with Rich and mentioned NSYNC, especially Chris from NSYNC, who was really close with Rich. So um, it's been a very humbling experience being out there honoring the boys. The fans have been extraordinarily supportive. The other artists have been supportive. Rich and Devin's family have been supportive. And so as long as I can continue to Onto them and nurture the legacy and people are interested in seeing it, I'll continue going out there to do it.
0: Yep, and we'll continue being there to, to support yeah. you and watch it. Um, what I wanna know is, is there any unreleased music that LFO had that we the fans didn't get to hear?
1: Yeah, there's a few things. Um, and I've, I've talked to uh, Rich's brother and, and to Mike Caputo and Mike was sort of like our fourth member He's the one who brought Devin into the mix and he toured with us everywhere we go and continues to tour with me now. We've talked about it. Um, At this point, I don't feel a strong pull to release new LFO music, Um, but that doesn't mean it wouldn't happen someday in the future, but at this moment, I don't really feel the pull to do that.
0: It may be something that the 25th anniversary would be special. i i I was thinking did you ever did you ever think of um maybe like a remix album with like some of the songs just giving it a new spin no why
1: would you give a classic a new spin
0: i know i mean those songs were so classic i was just Mm. i i don't know just a way for new material but what we've we love what we've got here um i want to know also because there were so many boy bands at that time if there was one hit out of all the boy bands that you didn't have, that you would have loved to sing that song, which song would it have been?
1: I mean, I'm glad we had our song. I'm glad "Summer Girls" was was the song that we had because it lives on every summer, you know. So yeah. I don't, I don't really, I don't really look at, you know. Obviously, NSYNC and Backstreet and '98, No Town all had some pretty big hits, you know. Um, that go on and live and live on in the hearts of the people, um, but I, I don't. I'll be honest, with you, I don't. I don't really think that way. Like, oh, I wish I had that song. Um, their songs were a lot different than our songs, um, so I don't. I don't really think you know, like, oh, I wish we would have had O Town song or In song. You know.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, Summer Girls is like the Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas Is You," but for the summer. It just comes around every year and we put it on when it comes on every year. That, that's our summer anthem.
1: Yeah, though Mariah had Justin Bieber. We didn't get him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I want to know, what is next for Brad Fischetti? Um, I don't
1: know if you want to call it a next. You know, um, like I mentioned to you, I, I go out and tour with the Pop 2000 Tour honoring Rich honoring Devin. I enjoy that. I do a lot of church work um, back home, and I've got a wife and five kids and a record label, and so that's that's enough for me. I'm, I'm not really in the position where I'm like aspiring to do new things. Um, I'm happy doing what I'm doing now. Um, the only sort of newer thing is LFO related is that you know I have a, I have a show that's called the LFO Story, which is about a ninety-minute set with a full band that takes us from nineteen seventy-four, the year Richard was born, till today. We use music that influenced us, music of our times, our music, personal stories about how we came together, how the songs came together, um, having to bury those boys, and it's a it's a fun show that is um, is big on you know, big on my heart, and so. In the future, I hope to get a chance to play that show um, live as well. But other than that, you know, I'm not I'm not the guy that's got the new movie coming out or the new TV show coming out. Um, eventually I plan to to write some books, not not uh non-fiction books, but you know, fiction books. So that'll be something I have in the future. But for now, um, I'm I'm contented with with what I have on my plate. And frankly, I just really couldn't add anything more onto my plate at this time. So, you know, as far as what am I up to, what what's to look forward to, top 2000 tour uh, when it comes to LFO stuff. And so um, I've really enjoyed meeting the fans on the road and um, I really look forward to having a chance to meet many more.
0: Okay. And now it's time to play the lightning round. And what we're gonna do I want to bring back some 90s memories here and and go through some 90s bands and music with you. So I'm going to name you two people and you just tell me which one you prefer. Now, if you want to do a tie, you can do, I'm allowing you to do a tie, Brad. I'm putting, I normally don't do ties, but I'm going to do that for you today. All right. Okay. Well, we got to do the greatest debate of all time. Backstreet or NSYNC? Tie. Okay. Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera? Britney Spears. Jessica Simpson or Mandy Moore? Ty. <laughs> TLC or Salt and Peppa? TLC. Kid Rock or Limp Bizkit? Kid Rock. Eminem or Dr. Dre? Uh, Dr. Dre. 98 Degrees or Five? 98 Degrees. Spice Girls or All Saints?
1: Spice Girls,
0: <laughs> Destiny's Child, or In Vogue. Destiny's Child. Good Charlotte, or Blink One Eighty Two.
1: Blink. My boy Mark Hoppus, who recently
0: beat the cancer. Madonna or Janet Jackson. Madonna. Natalie Merchant or Ten Thousand Maniacs. It's
1: kind of one and the same, right? Ten Thousand yeah.
0: Maniacs. Ace of Base or The Real McCoy. Ace of bass. Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston? Oh boy. Whitney Houston. O-Town or C-Note? (laughs) O-Town. Jennifer Lopez or Ricky Martin? Jennifer Lopez. And then if you had to pick the greatest song between these three, Baby One More Time, I Want It That Way or Bye Bye Bye, who would you pick?
1: Well, what do you mean by greatest song?
0: To define that era, if you could pick one to be like the top tier your top TRL song. I
1: mean, not my favorite necessarily, but the song that probably best defines that area era would be Hit Me Baby One More Time.
0: Okay. And then just for fun, Shooby Doo Wop and Scooby Snacks or Cherry Bubblelicious and Coco Pop.
1: <laughs> um, I'll go with Scooby Snacks.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Brad. I had a blast. What would you like to thank say you for to all... me? You're welcome. What would you like to say to all the fans watching today?
1: To the fans watching today,
0: I just say thank you for your support.
1: Remember Rich. Remember Devin. If you are a prayer, pray for them. If you're a viber, fill the heavens with your good thoughts and memory of them and their families. And uh, I wish you peace. And God's blessings.
0: And how can anybody keep up with you on social media?
1: Our social media is at the real LFO, and then
0: you can find mine um, just Brad Fischetti. Okay. Once again, thank you so much for joining us here today, and thank you guys for watching. And we'll talk to you all soon. Bye, everybody. Peace.